Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Today I feel led to um, share one of Jesus' parables. And you may have heard it maybe even dozens of times. But the Bible is really amazing because there's always something to learn, right? And for me, even in the midst of study, I was really impacted and I was moved and inspired by the teachings of Jesus. And the more you walk with Jesus, the more amazing the story of redemption, grace, and salvation becomes. I don't become tired of it. And actually, I actually have a deeper reverence for it all. And I want to lean more into the stories to learn more about it. So for today, we're going to cover... A passage out of Luke 15, it's the story of the prodigal son. And if you have heard this, maybe even for the first time, or maybe you've heard it multiple times, I do believe that the Lord will be speaking to you today. If I have a main point, the main point is this. Reconciliation is the heartbeat of God. So it should be the heartbeat of us, amen? To repair broken relationships and seek reconciliation at all costs. I felt to preach on this, not because I'm an expert, but because I fail often. The Lord Lord is working on me too. If I could give you a little instruction for the beginning of this, and maybe even for every time you read the Bible, find yourself in the story. Oftentimes the stories aren't about a far off land and a far off people but it's about the state of people. Find yourself in the story. Who are you in it? I'm going to read through the passage, and then we're going to kind of walk through it line by line. Luke 15, 11 through 32, reading out of the ESV version. <clears throat> Jesus is kind of addressing multiple people, a mixed crowd, and it says this. And he said, there is a man who had two sons, And younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country where he squandered his property in reckless living. And we had spent everything, a severe famine rose across the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go out to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. 
Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never give me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fat and calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He is lost and is found. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God, for another beautiful opportunity to gather together and worship and to dive into Scripture. Lord, I pray that we would always leave this place, God, with a new revelation of who you are. God, and we would look more like you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done in this place and everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Starting in verse 11, we're going to walk through the passage. Two sons and an inheritance. And he said, There is a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. The characters in this story are really symbolic of biblical times. So we have the father, who is representative of Father God. We have the older brother, which is representative of the Jewish religious leader. So Pharisees, Sadducees, stuff like that. Then we have the younger son represented as a Gentile, okay? In addition, Jesus was illustrating in the parable that all of humanity are the father's children. Some may be estranged in sin and some in the house with God. But by the very nature of being human, we are the image bearers of Christ, In scripture, they call it the Imago Dei. This thought that Jews and Gentiles are both God's children because of the basis of their humanity would have been incredibly offensive to the Jews. The entirety of Jewish culture was of the segregation of the Jews and the Gentiles or how they would separate everything from clean or unclean. For Jesus to say to this mixed crowd of people that all of you are God's children, come make yourself right with the Father, it was simply unheard of. The parable holds fundamental truth of humanity's relationship with Father God. But it was to help us understand something about each other as well. That we, sons and daughters of God, ought to want the best for one another. And this story of redemption should be understood as our long-lost brother finally coming home. 
Jesus, by this parable, he levels the playing field in a moment. The entire crowd, its hierarchy of social class, of wealth class, of gender, of ethnicity, all need to come to the Father's house. Everyone becomes equal and everyone becomes worthy of salvation and redemption. Everyone needs grace. As the crowd listens, the story begins to unfold and we have a younger son wanting this early inheritance. It was really common at the time to receive some sort of inheritance of some kind, primarily after the father died. But with special circumstances or requests, an inheritance could be obtained earlier. So this request, even if it was rare, was still not unheard of. The father actually had something ready for both of the sons. He had something in store for his kids. But the hastiness of the younger brother demanded the inheritance before it was time. I feel that at times I am too hasty with God as well in the things he has for me. Timing is very important. So the father took this inheritance and he divided it among the two brothers. The younger, driven to leave the house and explore the city, and the older, who remained and stayed on the property. As the story unfolds, we will see both sons need not an inheritance or a location. They need just one thing, a connection to the father. I've always had a question about this part of the story. Why did the father give the son the early inheritance? Certainly he knew his intentions. Certainly he knew what was going to happen. But God's love for us and free will. One of the best and most dangerous traits we have as humans is our free will. We can choose great good or great evil. We can choose to reject the gift of salvation or we can choose to open it. We can choose to stay in relationship with the Father or leave and go into the city. And the power of choice carries much weight. But the Father in the story upholds this power, this freedom that we have, and grants the Son his request. Verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country where he squandered his property in reckless living. And where he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and, began, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. He left the father's house. The younger son, after the demand to get his inheritance, spent the next few days packing, selling what he could, and preparing to leave to go into the city. In a spiritual way, I have seen this in people in my life. In a few days of packing, getting ready to leave the father's house, I've seen it spiritually. It's sad because as a believer, you know what's in the city or in the world, right? You understand the destructive lifestyle that sin brings. And my hope and our hope is for people to have a change of heart during those times. 
The son finally gathered all he had and he took that long journey to that far off country. When people leave the father's house spiritually, leave the relationship with God, they indeed feel far off. And even when you talk with them, there's a sense of distance because their heart is a far way off. And the city is never close to God's house. I do believe this, though. I believe we all prodigal in some degree. We leave relationships with God. We leave the Father's house and go out on our city in our own way. We add distance between the Father and us by our actions, our decisions. We create distance. It's different for everyone, too. Sometimes we may just make it to the end of the driveway. Maybe down the road. Maybe you make a, some time and you, you spend some time in the city. Maybe you buy, bought a house in the city. You've left the house for a short period of time. Or maybe you've left the house for a long period of time. But all of it equates to one thing, distance from the Father. Here's the thing to remember. Regardless of how far you made it into the city or how long or short you've been gone, the solution remains the same, to come back to the Father's house, to be reunited with God. I'd even want you in right now in this moment to remember your own prodigal story. Never forget how you wandered in your own way and how God loves you in the house and outside of the house. Never give up on that person, that prodigal that's currently in the city. Pray and be ready for them to come back to the Father's house. For you were that person. You are that person. Equally in need of God's salvation and redemption. You need his grace, just like I do. In Ephesians 2.13, it says this. By now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The son in the story spent his entire inheritance on this reckless living. The son was to blame for wasting his entire inheritance. The son on his own decision spent everything he had. And then that perfect yet terrible timing hit. A famine hit at the same time. Shortage of food. Often this happens because there's lack of safety outside of the house. But the famine wasn't the younger son's fault, and yet he was still affected by it. Because there's always things we can control and things we cannot. He was to blame for his in taking his inheritance early, going into the city, and wasting the entirety of it. But the famine was this unforeseeable event in his life. By this, he became destitute, homeless and hopeless he began to be in need is what it says in the passage but the harsh reality is this he began to be in need far before he ran out of the resources he was in need the moment his heart turned from the father yeah. and from this need it says this in verse 15 so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing 
to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. From the father's house, to reckless living in the city, to starving and feeding pigs. This part of the story is actually full of a lot of cultural irony. We as an Americans in 2023, we understand this to be a low point. Because pigs are generally dirty and kind of just eat whatever. But in the Jewish audience that Jesus was speaking to, this was considered taboo. Pigs were considered ceremonially unclean. So Jews had, so Jews had no interaction with them. But they also had no interaction with Gentiles. And there was no Jewish pig farmers, or there was not supposed to be at least. But this younger son found himself in such a destitute state to be hired by a Gentile pig farmer, work with the pigs, and then desire to eat what they would eat. A shameful act for the common person that we would understand, but doubly so because of the Jewish ceremonial laws. This act really held intense cultural implications. This prodigal son in that moment, he found rock bottom. Fortunately for all of us, God will use all things, even our brokenness, and even our rock bottom. And in that moment in the field with the pigs, something happened to that young man. He had a revelation. A revelation of his circumstances. In verse 17, And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's Hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. I love that line, but when he came to himself. A lot of other translations use this phrase instead. When he came to his senses. But this ESV version that we're reading out of says that he came to himself. I love that because it tells us something about the situation. He was not himself when he was in the city. He lost himself when he left the father's house. In the same way, you are not yourself when you're in sin. You become a twisted design. Sin has this way of getting in the way of who you were designed to be, who you were supposed to be. Because if you look in scripture, it tells me stuff like this. You were beautifully and wonderfully made. It tells me stuff like this, that God has a plan and a purpose and a calling on your life. That you are yourself when you're in the father's house. And in that moment, this prodigal son remembered who he was and remembered where he was supposed to be. God uses everything, the good and the bad. God the Father in this story wasn't the source of this young son's pain or suffering, but rather his own decisions brought him to that lowly place. Oftentimes, I find that we are the author of our own suffering. We write our own pain. And yet God, in his goodness, mercy, and power, 
can make all things beautiful. It says in scripture that he can make beauty from ashes and he can do that in your life. From the mess, from the pain, from the poor decisions. The miracle working God can turn your misery into a message of grace. And turn an impossible situation into a future solution of hope. There is a point though that all of us must come to. And that son had that moment the moment of ownership of, the, of wrongdoing. The recognition of sin is so vital in moving forward. You must recognize you're in the pig slop to get out of the pig slop. The pig slop broke his pride, and it's the thing that drove him from the father's house. When he left the father's house, he was wrapped up in pride, and that's why those lines... Give me my inheritance. I don't need you. All of those things are wrapped up in pride. But in the moment of the breaking, it allows another thing to take root. When pride is broken, humility has an opportunity to take root in your heart. And from that humility, a powerful revelation of what he has done and also what he needs to do next. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He recognized it. He needed to come back to the Father. In a biblical commentary about this passage, it says this. In his clear thinking, this younger son, he didn't think of how to improve his conditions in the pig pen. He didn't blame his father, his brother, his friends, his boss, or the pigs. He recognized his misery without focusing on it and instead focused on his father. Moments of revelation should always drive us back to the Father's house. It should bring us back into alignments and bring our focus back on him. He has a loss of position. He, he recognizes it. In this pig pen revelation, we see another thought come through the son's mind. I've had a lot of pig pen revelations, right? <laughs> Verse 19, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. This younger son, he understood the gravity of what he did and the position that he had lost. He was not worthy to be a son any longer, and he believed his title to be revoked. Verse 20. So out of that pig pen, he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. While he was a long way off, the father was waiting and watching eagerly for the son's return. And then when he saw the son, he was overwhelmed with compassion. I feel like our heart should have the same position for people that are far off. The people that even are brought to your mind right now in this moment, who are far off in the city or in the world or in this destructive lifestyle, 
Our position as Christians, as believers, should be eagerly waiting and praying and believing that they're going to come home one day. It says that the father ran and embraced him. Culturally speaking, Jewish men didn't run because they had a lot of robes and they would run like that. And before everything, before anything could happen, the father embraced his kid and kissed him. The son had a prepared speech ready. We always have a prepared speech ready when we messed up. He began to verbalize his repentance. He acknowledged his wrongs. It was the lines he practiced, I imagine, all the way home. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father, though, seemingly ignored the sentence. And instead had the servants bring a robe, a ring, and told them to get ready to party. The son, he had a plan on how to be restored. Had to even get back into the house as a servant. And he even knew, he's like, I can't come back as a son. I lost that. Maybe I could just be in the house as just a servant. But the son's restoration didn't revolve around this plan. It couldn't revolve around this plan. The son's restoration revolved around one thing, coming back to the father. Our restoration is the same. It's centered around coming back to the father's embrace and coming back home. If you're afraid to come back home, back to God, I got great news for you. Today is a great day. Reconciliation always brings celebration. Bring the best clothes, the best drinks, the best foods, for my son is home. He was lost and then he was found. If you're a believer, you understand that statement deeply. We must always celebrate the ones that were lost and that were found because that is us too. People's re reconciliation to God must always be close to our heart. It should be what we hope to see regardless of how far or how long they were in the city. For I too, and you as well, left the Father's house in some way, and all of us are in desperate need of redemption and grace. This next section, it's called a hard, hard heart in the house. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him and said, and he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, 
You killed the fattened calf for him. Interesting that he didn't say, when my brother came, said, this son of yours. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. And it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The older brother was in the house the whole time. But his heart grew hard. This was the state of the religious leaders at the time. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they knew the law better than anyone, but they missed the heart of it. The older brother began to focus on the wrong things while he worked out in the fields. He became discontented and bitter, all while being in the father's house. This happens to us as well today in church. You attend church, you, you read your Bible, you, you know better than most. And yet, something can sometimes creep into your heart and twist things. I speak this way because I have been there. Full of bitterness and self-righteousness. The older brother in the story, he never left the house. But he left the house. The story ends on a really sad note. It never says if the older brother came inside to celebrate. He may have stayed angrily working away in the fields, consumed by his own bitterness, his right to this and to that. All in the midst of missing the most important part. That his brother has come home. The father appeals to the older brother, please just come back into the house. Come celebrate with us. Reconcile with me and your brother. The older brother was in the house of the father the entire time, but he needed the same thing as the younger. He needed to be reconciled with the father. This story is about people being reconciled to Father God, those in the city and those in the house. We sit as equals, all in desperate need of the Father's embrace and to be redeemed, to be reconciled, to have grace be given to us. God's desire is to reconcile with people and to reconcile with you. And for us to be people that reconcile and forgive each other. He didn't even want to reconcile with his younger brother. He couldn't even reconcile with what he has done. But yet that was the thing that needed to be done. Don't be stuck in the city or in the field. The worship team is going to play a song to close. And then we're going to all take communion together. Communion is this beautiful opportunity to have this, the Lord talk to you and speak to you and for him to analyze your own hearts. Maybe this 
this story that you heard today, this parable, maybe it's the very thing that you needed to hear today. Maybe you need to be reconciled to God. Maybe you've been out in the city. Maybe you're on the road back. Maybe you're having a pig pen revelation. (laughs) I don't know, but the Lord knows. Or maybe you feel like the older brother and you were so angry and so bitter at both the father and somebody else and you don't want to reconcile. The Lord is after that too. And that the grace that's been so freely dispensed to you as a believer, as a Christian, it says in scripture, we are to dispense it to others because we're all in need of grace. There's not one that does not need it. Today, the Father wants to reconcile with you. My encouragement to you is reconcile with God, reconcile with another. Or if someone is brought to your mind who is far off from the heart of God right now in the city, if I can just encourage you, don't give up on them either. If you could be like the father in one moment and eagerly wait for their return and continue to speak in faith and in hope that they're going to come home. Lord, thank you, God, for the beautiful work on the cross, God, that allows reconciliation back to the father and back into the house. Lord, as it is your heartbeat for humanity, Lord, let it be our heartbeat for others to reconcile, to give grace and grace abundantly. Thank you, Lord. Amen.